new Skype on Mac certainly sucks. Oh, I wouldn't. Everyone's know. been complaining about that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it basically the same UI that Skype 5 has been on Windows for ages, though? No, not necessarily. It is designed specifically to the Mac, but yeah, the is. reason that the Skype was so good for Mac before was because they wasn't paying much attention to it, so it was still simple, like it should be. <laughs> and not overwrought with a whole bunch of extra... Oh, yeah, exactly that. ...revenue-generating bull. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of thinking that when I got off the plane on Friday, thinking, you know, it'd be nice to do an OS News podcast, but I'm so 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 used to waiting for someone else to start it. It, it just seemed unnecessarily brazen and impolite <laughs> no, for me to broach the subject myself. No, it's very kind of you, honestly. It's, 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 it's like a, a crude but effective, and I, yeah. like effective. I like effective, so that's absolutely... But it also gave me a chance to, to test to see if... Uh, Sending an email offline will actually ca- on Android will cache it until it's re- until it gets a connection again. But since I was have, still mid-flight at that point. You now have like an OS news address. How long have you had that one? <laughs> like, I, it's a, like month. Episode for, like, twenty year, or something. I, yeah. And what episode are we on now? Forty. Well, this is forty-one. <laughs> Seriously, mm. I only just noticed it. Just uh, now. Such a pity. We could have made you know episode forty for FTP. <laughs> oh, mm. Mm. But we always want to go one better, so it's episode 41. <laughs> I love doing that on Facebook when someone has like a really long comment thread and then somebody posts a comment, okay, I'm going to round it out at 40. Then I'm going to come along and say, I like chaos, 41. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> People actually get annoyed about that. It's awesome. OCD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we going to actually um, talk about on this this episode? I have no idea. <laughs> it's been a long time. Like so much, I've completely lost. Yeah. Track of that. Okay. So what the hell are we going to talk We're about? Gonna... I have no idea. We have so much stuff. I I think it's um I mean, big stuff. Playbook. Um, Sony selling with hearts, of course. General UI stuff. There's also GNOME three. I haven't used it yet. Haven't used it yet. No. I have. Okay. Did you like pull your hair out out of frustration, or was it acceptable? Um, it had a few things which were were actually surprisingly annoying, but <laughs> you can actually get kind of into the workflow a bit. And what it really lacks is is polish. The motions that you would need to you know, to do in order to actually make it work for a day on the day to day basis aren't as elegant as they should be. It's it's little tiny stuff like if you hover over. Uh, applications versus Windows in the activities menu, it should just switch. You shouldn't have to click. Um, other little things like that. Yeah, they might have bit... fixed that. That was a few. That was a few versions ago when it was beta. I haven't tried the main line yet. I was just a little bit worried about. Um, I mean, not having like a, a, t- a taskbar or a dock or whatever. That just seems kind of weird to me. I mean, I hope, I mean, I, I applaud their effort for like trying to do something different. Yeah. But the idea that the things that I see in the videos and how to like switch between applications or switch between this and that, it's like way more clicks and it's, it seems like um, kind of like different for the sake of being different instead of like being different because it's better. I mean, I haven't tried it yet, so it's just from like videos and shots and everything. So well, I'm surprised. See. I'm surprised that most people haven't screamed and yelled like what happened with KDE 4. KDE 4 was so different and features were missing and things weren't polished and people were screaming, fork, fork, fork. And <laughs> yeah. I hear that once with GNOME and almost no one talks. Yeah, Maybe it's weird. just a different a different personality on how it works, but well, I, I'm still guessing think... that the yelling is has yet to happen. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'm afraid, like, when, when, and then when I'm going to sit back here and giggle so. because I'm a KDE user and I've already been through all this. Um, <laughs> it's like, you'll get used to it. Calm down. Yeah, I also okay. think Here's that, a cookie. <laughs> I also think that has to do with the fact that KDE is a little bit more open development-wise. It's a little, that's at least true. that's the idea that I get, a little less of a close community, but more of an open thing where everybody has like something to say and, and, and stuff like that, which is not the case. At least that's the idea that I get when it comes to GNOME, which is, Genome, which is like more closed off, a lot more like a tiny knit group of people doing the development and everybody else just following along without, you know, asking too many questions. That could be ah, it. like Apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually. No wonder why I don't like GNOME. Well, we have the whole Android stuff, of course. We haven't even started yet. I am I know, recording I'm just, this, but... <laughs> okay, but I'm just, like, browsing through the... Uh, yeah, no, well, let me at least do an open... You can still use this, though. You can still I use can, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No Basically. problem with me. The lack of honeycomb source code is yeah. being a bit... I have a theory on that, actually. Can I just do, like, an intro or something? Because these have got something to work with, and then we can make a, you know, a, a proper start on this. Yeah, but the intro makes no. it all official. <laughs> <laughs> we don't the like it. <laughs> Okay, do your intro a little... I'm going to do OS News Unplugged, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. When, well, no, when I want to do Unplugged, we won't be able to, like, do anything, because Unplugged means no electricity, so... Let's join us all in a, a round of Kumbaya by Sysadmin. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I should have gotten the chamomile tea, right? I mean... <laughs> instead of the coffee. <laughs> I'm really curious what it's, what it's going to taste like. I'm waiting for the intro, by the way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to OS News Podcast, episode number 41. Um, it is uh, January the 17th, 2011, probably about a billion years since the last podcast. Uh, do apologize for that. Uh, I, all of us have been extremely busy and uh, distracted. Um, but uh, thanks to the, the uh, proactiveness of Tess, um, who's rounded <laughs> us up today, uh, uh-huh. there's actually a show happening. So, obviously, uh, we're joined. I'm Croc. Cayman and I'm joined by uh, uh, Tom Harder, Editor-in-Chief of Host News, and our usual podcast regular, uh, Tess Flynn. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, it's been such a long time since the last episode, we're not really sure what to cover here. <laughs> that, kind of, my memory is sort of a vague, blurry mess of the last few months. Yeah, um, kind of. Was there something that we're going to open up with, um, say, starting at the homepage, near, near the, sort of the top of the homepage? I think the first thing no. that we were thinking of doing was the playbook. Okay, I don't have much to think about it because I've been so distracted and I haven't been following the media other than a few things like obviously Goober has been saying, but he's you know obviously pretty biased in the whole <laughs> the whole situation. <laughs> he's like the unofficial Every- Apple spokesperson. So everyone just seems to be going. There's no apps. It's it's different. It's not not ready. It's it's the the biggest thing that you see in every blog post is that quote it's half baked. And it just annoys me all to hell that this is the uh, general impression of a device that hasn't even had a major release yet. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're still, the, the testing that they're doing, they're testing it on uh, the reviews and everything. It's on non-final hardware. Of course, you could say it's like RIM's own fault for sending hardware that isn't final yet. But then again, it's still, you know, you should take that into account. I mean, when, when, when like, a, a Mac, first Mac OS X, version launched it was a pile of crap oh, yeah. and it, it was absolutely useless but everybody just accepted it you know it was just everybody understood that you know it's a new operating system it, it, you know it's going to take some time there are no applications just things are half baked things don't work things aren't there yet but they you know were everybody dire yeah, situation though because of how old mac os 9 was at the time and there had been no migration path that had been successful like with copland etc so it was yeah, kind of like you've got to accept this because star trek <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't their first attempt yeah, yeah. no it wasn't so you know the mac faithful having been beaten down for so long were probably just willing to accept anything for the sake that it was being released in the first place oh my god real multitasking that was basically the <laughs> memory protection memory protection <laughs> <laughs> it's 2001. We have memory protection. Yes. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it's just kind of right now. I mean, the general tone seems to be that everything that is 
comes out into the market needs to be 100% perfect. And if it's not, and you know, and if it's not, then it automatically sucks and it will fail and it won't compete with whatever Apple is offering. That's basically what it always comes down to. But <sighs> I find it a little bit weird because um, um, the the iPad, for instance, wasn't really new because it was you know it was basically an, an, an iPhone or an iPod Touch and it was stretched out a little bit so it already had a major base of applications of course it, they, they, you know the the non-optimized applications didn't look really good or anything but they were usable and there was already like a major group of people already developing um, um, iPhone apps who were yeah. um, you know automatically pushed to develop iPad apps because if you didn't have an iPad app then nobody would download your iPhone app right so it was kind of you know implied that you would that at least all the popular applications would have an iPad version but when it comes to RIM, they're basically starting from scratch here. This is this is this is the playbook. Is their iPhone, basically their first first gen iPhone? There's nobody any doing anything yet. Maybe some you know some high profile uh, developers, of course, like Amazon and stuff like that. They're working. Oh, in the I'd background. rather say that the playbook is more like their OS 10. They're completely replacing the yeah, underlying true. operating yeah. system and the user land. It doesn't even use the same development environment any longer. True. It uses doesn't it use Adobe Air as the user land instead of, of uh, Java and Flash Air. There is a, a special uh, Java person. They call it personalities, right? If I'm not mistaken, there's a mm -hmm. Java personality for the old um, BlackBerry OS applications. There's a Java personality for Android, and they've got Air and Flash. Uh, and there's a native development kit as well. I, I'm not sure if it's done yet. I believe it's just like in, even in pre-beta or something. That's of course for games and stuff like that. They just basically are given like a lot of options. And I think that maybe for um, commercial, for, no, not the commercial, but for like enterprises and stuff. But that's more your thing, not mine though. It, <laughs> that could actually be uh, a plus point because it doesn't force um, um, businesses to focus on just one environment and learn that environment and nothing else. You know, yes. it's just kind of so that might actually be a good point. I don't know. I mean, I've, I'm not really um, versed in that area. But that, to me, it seems like a good idea. Maybe not for us, for like regular customers, but it might be a good idea for um, for businesses where there's a lot of money to be gained from these things. So, Well, yeah. that gets into the, the issue of tablet applications and, and in general mobile applications within the enterprise space. And that's a, a messy topic in of its own. Mostly what the playbook has going for it in, from the enterprise perspective is that it brings a lot of security aspects that the other major competitors, iOS and Honeycomb, simply don't have right now. They don't have cryptographically signed kernels standard. They don't have uh, encryption on memory cards. They don't have all this other stuff that is absolutely necessary for an enterprise customer, although despite that fact that there are plenty of tablet systems that are available within the enterprise space. When it comes to the applications, that's a little bit fuzzier because there's a bit of a debate going on within, within the enterprise sphere that specific applica applications developed for mobile platforms is a bit of vendor lock-in. And what you really should be doing is developing a proper HTML5 mobile application and then simply have that available for all of these devices because we're seeing new tablet devices being released all the time. We have, we have several... Um, major enterprises who were beginning to invest in iOS applications on the enterprise scale, and then suddenly Android went and smashed the market share to pieces. So now they're all kind of caught dead in the water going, well, what's going to happen next? We want something that's going to be available and supported. And the only thing that can really be said that will probably be there is an HTML5 mobile app, because the toolkit's are there in a lot of the mobile operating systems. Yeah, well, finally, if, if, it, if that's what's going to, you know, if it takes that to get them to develop in a way that is um, device neutral, then, I mean, yay, because it means it's, it's easier for new players to come into the market and we can have like a variety of, uh, um, 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 of, of, of tablet operating systems and tablet devices um, out there. I, again, I still, you know, the whole tablet thing is still a bit of a meh to me. I mean, I don't really... I mean, they're fun because they're basically like a large screen. And as a geek, that's like, yeah, I got a large screen. That's really awesome. But I still don't really know what to do with them. But, you know, if those things become popular and they are becoming popular, there's you know, not really a whole lot you can do about it, then at least make sure that um, we're not locked into anything. You know, I mean, the smartphone market is, you know, delightfully competitive. And I love that. I mean, um, I mean, I have a Windows Phone 7 thing and I'm like probably 
one of one of three people in Europe <laughs> who has one of these. And but still, you know, it's completely usable despite the fact that you know it's basically the equivalent of haiku right now. That's basically what it is um, for the <laughs> smartphone market. But you know, it's completely usable. I've got all access to all the major applications and to all the the, the most important things. Um, you know, when I, I, got, I I don't have to I'm not I don't have to be worried that I can't play something or that I can't access something because everything that maybe doesn't have an app yet in the uh, in the Windows Phone uh, marketplace, it will have a website that I can visit. So. It's really awesome. So I, I would really like it if the same happens in the tablet space. And it seems like that thing is... What is that? Close call. There's really weird noise in the uh, in the chat every now and then. Uh, as if somebody's blowing in the microphone. <laughs> maybe it's just me, though. I don't know. Maybe Funny. I'm turning crazy. I'm, I could be... Anyway. Um, what... Where was I? I have no idea. Somebody pick up, please. <laughs> um, I was going to say that we are in the uh, preliminary stage of, of the whole sort of tablet market because, uh, yes, the iPad is, iPad is out there, but we really haven't seen these uh, a lot of these products land and start uh, taking their place. So it's not really going to happen into next year. By Christmas time this year, you know, tablets are going to be a big sale thing. You go into PC World and there's four rows of netbooks. That's going to be four rows of tablets by the end of the year because it's the hot, exciting thing, and therefore that's what's going to be the big sale for Christmas. Christmas. That means that going into next year, 2012, we should finally see, we're going to see a market where we have, you can go out and you can pick up and you can actually buy an iPad or a, 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 a Palm WebOS or HP WebOS device or, or an Android tablet or um, the uh, Think, playbook um, as well. So th these things will then actually be starting to, 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 to I don't know, uh, work on merit rather than all of this sort of primary stuff that we're looking at uh, when it gets to the hands of actual users. Well, I still only see tablets. Um, well, I still actually haven't seen a tablet in the wild. I mean, I live in like one of the richest countries in the world and I still haven't seen one of those things in the wild. I've only seen them in shops and uh, uh, an Apple fanatic had an iPad that last yeah, summer. Yeah, I've seen and that's one, it. two iPads. That's about it so far. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's so I'm you know it's really hard then you know if you're I mean I live in a really like in a tiny town a tiny standard Dutch town nothing special, and you know smartphones I see those everywhere but it took a really long time. I mean if I had only lived on the internet I would have thought that smartphones were had a 100% market penetration <laughs> three years ago right. But even like right here now, I mean, most people around me still have this feeling of, well, I bought a smartphone because there's really nothing else that I can buy anymore. But if I had the choice, I would still buy a simple basic phone with, you know, like keys that you can actually press, right? It's still like a big thing. Mm. But uh, with, when it comes to tablets, it's even worse. I haven't seen a single tablet. This is why I think this will change going into next year because <laughs> A, there will be more on, on show. Not everyone wants to buy an iPad to begin with anyway. Yeah. And B, the Christmas is going to be the biggest advertising campaign for tablets that, that, that will be. That you, you People don't know what they want until you show it to them. And so that will... Yeah. And they're going to go out and they want to be buying something. Perhaps even they want to go buy a laptop. A lot of computers get sold at Christmas. And instead they decide to go with a tablet because it's cooler. And it's, it's the new thing and um, it's what everybody wants and uh, and, it, and it's cheaper as well so I, I reckon that is going to change by the end of by the start of next year well that's probably true because like you said Christmas is a big deal it's, it's, it's a little less of a deal here because we have another holiday in front of it that's when we actually give our gifts but it's only like 20 days in front of that so but the idea is the same yeah later like at the end of the year starting probably like October November that sort of thing you're going to see a lot of you know commercial activity like commercials and well, mean advertising campaigns and stuff like that for for all these tablets, and you'll have uh, honeycomb tablets, or by then it's going to be something else. But you'll have Android tablets, you'll have the iPad 2 or maybe 3. You'll have um, uh, the WebOS thing, which is the one I'm most yes. interested in. And most interested is still relative because it's still like instead of meh, it's kind of like <laughs> meh, you know, meh. Not sure got, if want. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> if, if anyone from HP is listening, I'd love to beta test one of those. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. News. Yes, please send one to all of us because we're going to love it. No, I'm kidding. No, I'd, I'd love to test one of those out because I still haven't been able to actually use WebOS because as far as I know, um, the prey still hasn't actually been launched in the Netherlands. <laughs> so it's, it's, we're like two years down the line and there's still no WebOS device in this country. I mean, I mean, HP and Palm, if you're listening, I know we're a really small country and half of us is like living under the sea, but still, we'd really like some WebOS devices in our shop so I can play with them. That's basically all that counts. Well, but, you can, you certainly, certainly be, should be able to uh, virtualize the operating system and the development kit. So you should be able yeah. to try out the OS. Yeah, but still, that's with a mouse. 
It's just, you know, if, if I'm going to have a smartphone operating system, I want to use my fingers because that's awesome. And I don't have a touch screen, actually. So, no, but it's still not, not here. But at the end of the year, yeah, I mean, you're going to see those things everywhere, I hope. Um, so, again, HP Palm, listen, just do it. And then, um, yeah, the, you're going to see, like, people walk into a store and will actually see a tablet yeah. line and be able to play with them and, you know, compare them and stuff like that. So, that would be awesome. And, of course, carriers. Carriers need to support those things. That's really important. Um, so that people can buy a, a contract for a year with a reduced price for the device, of course. That always that is them. one of the big problems with the playbook currently. It actually doesn't support uh, 3G. You have to use Wi-Fi or tether it through a BlackBerry. Oh yeah, through a really? BlackBerry. I mean, it's, I never, I, I don't understand that though. I mean, well, I, it makes sense from a marketing perspective. They wanted to get this device out as soon as they possibly can, so that they can show that they're still investing in their platform. They're still true. competitive. They're <laughs> still, they, they still, they still have a place because they're fighting for market share against iOS and Android right now. And the Playbook is the first device that uses their new QNX-based operating system. So they want to be able to show this as soon as possible. The thing is that the way that they're looking at it is they're thinking it's more of an extension of an of a BlackBerry device totally. versus a unique device in of itself, which is not in line with consumer expectations. But if you think about it from a revenue-generating perspective, they're looking at the BlackBerry devices, the actual BlackBerry OS qua BlackBerry devices, actually are where they make the majority of their income. So they don't want to be uh, to release this new device and get trashed and, ha and then be left in the dust as soon as uh, tablets lose their the hype behind them yeah because again it's still i'm still not entirely convinced that um it's a it's it's going to stay right i mean netflix didn't stay and everybody said that they would and they didn't and i'm still not sure if tablets are going to stick around for really like a, an actual sustainable long time mm. but about blackberry by the way it's kind of funny that here in the netherlands um they're actually at least to in my mind, they're actually gaining popularity. I see more and more people around me now carrying Blackberries. I mean, like, I mean, it's like, it's like we're regressing in time. It's really weird. <laughs> no, people... not really. This this kind of, this sort of thing actually happened in the United States about a year and a half ago. Um, as soon as see the problem in, with the U.S. is that the iPhone at the time was locked down to a single carrier, and many people didn't want to go to AT&T, so they would go to their local carrier, Verizon or T-Mobile or whatnot, and they would ask to see what's available. And what is available as a smartphone on all platform on all carriers in the U.S. was BlackBerry. And the thing is that BlackBerry has been an intro, a gateway into the smartphone category because the premium smartphone devices, uh, such as iOS and the higher-end Android devices, and Android devices that simply haven't made it to your local uh, market share, it's the Blackberries are a lot more widely available, a lot more world-tested, so it's easier to import those into different markets. So they can show up first, and then everyone else shows up afterwards. Yeah, but also, RIM has been advertising these things, actually, pretty well here in the Netherlands, with, with long TV commercials and all the major stations, and you see, like, posters and everything, and in newspapers. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really weird they because did that in the U.S. a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's really weird because you know it, when you look at the com iPhone doesn't uh, iPhone who Apple doesn't actually advertise the iPhone here. So, um, T-Mobile didn't do it either. And uh, it was the iPhone's considered a premium device. And the thing is that if they're, that if they're too expensive or the data plans too much, a BlackBerry is an easier investment to take when looking at the uh, the bottom line when initially purchasing. So yeah. it's easier to have that uh, to have the BlackBerry ride the wave of smite, uh, smartphone hype yeah. in order to actually yeah. uh, gain users. That's what I was going to say. Even if it doesn't it's... keep those users a year or two down the line. I was going to say yeah. it is a, a, raising, a rising tide scenario in that um, because dumb phones are, are, are sort of starting to pan out, um, that uh, when you go into a shop and there's lots of Android uh, smartphones on sale, etc., it means that people are going to be looking to buy a smartphone and therefore Blackberries will come into consideration. So the sales of, of other types of smartphones is increasing the sales 
of Blackberries. And I think yeah. this is what happened to the tablet market as well. As I say, there's only the iPad at the moment. And when you've got lots of stuff available, it means that then people can see that there's choice and that will actually increase the sales of tablets as, an, as a whole. Yeah. silence to mean that we can move on <laughs> you're getting better at this <laughs> sorry go on no problem. um should we move on to the uh, sony issues uh with uh well there's a few things you've got sony obviously uh, sony and hots um settling and 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 then uh, rather ironically within the same week sony um saying it's fine to unlock your phone <laughs> yeah well there's a bit of a thing though because um um <laughs> The, the the distance basically between Sony Ericsson and Sony That's is a little bit larger than I thought myself. I thought it was basically the right. same. Yeah, but it's basically that Sony owns fifty percent of that company and Ericsson owns fifty percent. I, I always thought that Ericsson basically was more or less bought up by mm. Sony and that was it. But that's not the case. So there's a bit. So it is actually truly a different company. But still, I mean, we're talking fifty percent Sony. I mean, you, you still did. You still wouldn't expect this. I mean, let's face it. So it's still well, pretty this, cool. This sort of thing happens in the enterprise world all the time with different business units working towards competing ends, and it often makes it seem like what the heck is the company doing? When when one BU is saying do this and another BU is saying do that. <laughs> yeah. We should of course, actually just um, uh, read these items out so that people know what we're, oh, what we're wait, referring yes. to. Um, uh, where, where the hell is it? Uh, where the heck is it? Sorry, iTunes. Sorry. Sorry. Don't put us in the 18 plus category. Sorry. Um, where is it? Where is it? Uh, Windows 8. Six, seven, the item down. It's directly to the left of Windows 8. Can finally run off a USB drive in the picture. Wait, right there? Oh, wait! Okay, good. got it. There we go. Who's going to read it out loud? Um, what, your your statement or the actual one from the PlayStation blog? No, I just meant like the uh, the article thing. Whatever we, whatever you want. I mean, it's okay. Well, basically, obviously, um, it should be plenty obvious to OS News readers anyway who are listening to this that um, Sony have been in a lawsuit against uh, uh, GeoHot, um, of as George, uh, of otherwise known as George Hotz, who uh, in- initially cracked uh, the PlayStation, and then that led on to uh, uh, to more independent work by the Fail Overflow team, who completely busted the PlayStation's security open, and uh, Sony have so- so sued both of those. Um, but in the 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 Hots case, um, Sony have finally and, and Hots have decided to um, settle the lawsuit um, in a I don't know a, a sort of a quiet manner. I think you could call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I can I, actually. Uh, some people were really angry with um, with uh, Hots settling, but I can actually understand it. I mean. Hotz is just like you know, like us. He's a normal person. He doesn't have a, a major company behind him or anything. It's just him alone. And if I had the full might of a large company like Sony on my bum, especially in the United States, oh heck yes, I would settle if I had the option. I mean, I'm like, you don't want that to become like a really protract, protracted long um, um, battle, especially since from the early um, 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 rulings made by the judge, it became pretty clear that. Yes. Well, I, I don't want to say bias. he was. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say he was uh, like literally on Sony's side because technically you can't buy judges, but you know. But it was. I mean, his rulings were not what I would say entirely. Um, they didn't seem entirely unbiased, to put it politically correct. So I would understand that if Hotz had the opportunity to settle, I probably would have. If I had the opportunity to settle in his shoes, I probably would have done it as well. I mean. It could lead to all sorts of crazy things if, if the lawsuit actually went on and, and Sony would, would 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 win or whatever. I mean, he could he could have gotten into some serious trouble there. So yeah. um, I can I'm understand. Thinking, th- just imagine lawsuit. Uh, just imagine and put yourself in the place of having a continual ongoing lawsuit for uh, the better part of a decade. Mm. No company ever wanting to touch you anymore because you d- did something that was legally inconvenient to a major corporation so now no one wants to employ you for your security and development skills it basically is a life ruiner right there 
Yeah. So I can, I can, you know, I can perfectly understand him saying, "Look, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, let's just get this settlement over with, and uh, I'm, 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 let's do it." But even the settlement itself, it, it seems more like a win for him than it does a win for Sony because what exactly really... was the terms of the settlement? Because that's the part know. I always miss. We don't know because a large part of it is secret. So like the I basic guess. information is open, but the actual is is uh, is 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 freely available. But the actual core, like what was agreed upon, isn't actually there. Isn't um 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 um, um openly available. But in a post that he made a couple of days ago, I mean, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before. Uh, no, I should start at the beginning. Of course, um, um, a lot of people donated money to 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 Jihad for you know the the fight against Sony and those people at least a portion of that were bummed when um it turned out he just settled because it meant he had a whole lot of money left over um and they were afraid that he would just like take the money and go to a tropical island and whatnot but um you know his promise from from the get go was to donate any leftover money after the case or during the case whatever that he would donate it to the Electronic Frontier Foundation and yesterday or the day before he actually announced that he has actually done that so he donated um, $10,000 or euros I'm never sure probably dollars $10,000 to the Electronic Frontier Foundation and he posted a, 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 a screenshot to prove it and all that stuff I'm gonna I'm actually writing an item about it right now but it, it's not done yet it's probably done when the podcast comes out but not right now hmm. and um, so he donated all that money and he rounded it off um, to ten thousand, so he so the donations were a little bit less than that. And then he added some of his own money to make a nice to make a nice amount. But overall, he explains in the comments to his blog post that he actually is losing money on this, not just because he rounded it off, which probably is like what, maybe under two hundred dollars, but also because he still has to pay the taxes um, or or something like that. He has to pay the taxes on on the the um, on the, the 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 stuff with the. The amount that he has to pay to his lawyers, there's a tax on that, blah, blah. And he still has to pay those taxes uh, April next year. So he's actually losing quite a lot of money on this. So it's, I think it's kind of noble in a way. <laughs> but um, I think that's actually good that he's doing this. Just donate the money as promised. And I think it makes perfect sense because donating it to the Electronic Frontier Foundation, you know, it, eventually that's going to bite some com- other company, uh, you know, in the behind. Mm. So that's really good. And $10,000 is a heck of a lot of money. So um, that's actually pretty good. So I there think there was a lot of writing in the case, which I think where people's anger come from that that, that um, George has uh, bowed out of this is because obviously it, it does raise the whole question of do you own your your console or not? And that question has already been answered for uh, smartphones. Yes, in the U, uh, US, you are allowed to circumvent uh, protection measures uh, on your smartphone. Um, and why that doesn't automatically magically apply to to consoles, I don't know. But that question hasn't been answered, and Sony obviously yeah. it is in their imperative. Uh, uh, to to keep hold of that. Um, yeah, but that's where the ten thousand dollars comes into play because the only reason that you are now in in the U.S. at least, so that's just this is a U.S. thing, at least that you are now allowed in the U.S. to uh, hack your smartphone to on to on no not necessarily to unlock it but to jailbreak it. That's the word I was looking for. The fact that you're allowed to jailbreak it is because of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, they um, went to the. the is it, is it, isn't it called like the copyright office or something? Or what's it, the librarian of Congress or whatever? I believe he or she is the person that decides these things, the exceptions to the to the dreaded DMCA, world's worst law. I think we can, you know, it's probably in the top ten somewhere. But um, it's uh, it's basically because of the the lobbying work done by the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who basically out lobbied Apple, which is you know pretty cool to begin with. Um, so that those ten thousand ten thousand dollars, it could pretty well be that there's maybe some sort of agreement, a silent agreement between the Electronic Frontier Foundation and Hots that you know that money will in some way be used to start lobbying for uh, consoles to be added to that exception. And I believe the Librarian of Congress does that like every three years or something, every four years. I don't know. Announce the exceptions. When is that? I, I can probably library. I should. Learn to type library properly at once. <laughs> so I hate that. Yeah. I hate that word. Library of Congress. Copyright. No, that's the wrong one. Yeah, there we go. Library of Congress. Yeah, so this this whole lawsuit, while it obviously hasn't come Every to, three uh, years. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's every it's three, three years. So this was in 2010. So in 2013, we'll have another round of uh, exactly. possible exceptions and it could be that the EFF is currently working on that right now to add consoles to the list of exceptions and with phones already being on that list it would probably make it easier for them to argue yeah. that 
Gantos should be Whilst added as the well. lawsuit has not obviously come to an end in uh, a way that where Sony loses and, and we win, as it were, it has, however, shown how Sony is weakening, and uh, this lawsuit only publicises the whole issue of console ownership. So this, just the fact that this this uh, lawsuit has been uh, out, you know, put into the public, alone should, um, you know, help with the the, the end goal of, uh, you know, us gaining ownership over our own consoles. At least, you know, not least creating a whole heck load of bad PR for. Sony. Yeah, but on the other end, it's not just bad. Sony it's has not... a history of bad PR here. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've they've sued Sony console and mobile hackers for for years about this kind of stuff, and every there's always been a continual dance between hacking techniques and firmware updates. And it's just astonishing to me that Sony just keeps this up. I mean, how much money does this cost them? Well, on the other hand, Sony has, uh, I mean, Sony equipment is everywhere. I mean, big chance that if you, even the, the Nokia N900, of course, has a display. That display is made by Sony. So you have, like, the world's most open phone, the N900, but you have a display made by Sony. I think that is... But you have to think about it in terms of business units again. If you're thinking of the, the, the manufacturing sector that created that display, why do they care about a intellectual property argument, essentially, from a completely different business unit? I know, but why I, do I, they care about what's going on in the PSP hardware or the NGP hardware or the PlayStation 3 hardware? No, but why? I mean, I mean, you wondered. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, I, I was basically in reply because you said um, you wondered where all the money was coming from and I was saying like well the money is coming from basically everything else because Sony is like selling a lot it's of not, stuff it's not that where is the money coming from it's why are they bothering to spend so much money for this? I keep wondering, have we seen the same kind of thing with other major console providers? And Nintendo, I believe, to some extent, yes. But I'm thinking more so of the Xbox. Yeah. The, why why is... haven't we seen huge amounts of lawsuits about hacking the Xbox? I know what because, happens. Because it's a number of things. First, Microsoft is first and foremost a software company and understands developers better than Sony does. I think it's – and understands software better. Second, there's a wide community um, Microsoft has allowed with XNA and stuff like that. It basically, you know, you don't have to have a special uh, Xbox. You don't have to have a special, super special secret account or whatever to publish your game on the Xbox um, um, Live Arcade. I mean, even I could do it. I mean, I have an Xbox. You can download the, the development tools right. on your PC, and it's really easy to get your applications on there. And second, I mean, the, the Xbox has been hacked, even the original one, for, like crazy. That's where XBMC comes from. Which is like one right. of the best multimedia um, um, center things, software, whatever. So uh, you know the Boxy, Boxy is based on that, and um, what's the other one for the Mac? What's it called? Um, a, a lot of software is based on the work by, XB, by uh, XBMC. So and it's I think Microsoft is more like silently allowing it, basically in the same way um, um, like they did with Windows Mobile, uh, Windows Mobile Six, mm. and and earlier. There's a wide community of. Um, um, I mean, the entire XGA developer side is comes from that um, that um, 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 community, basically, where um, all sorts of custom ROMs were made for Windows mobile phones, and Microsoft kind of just okay, it's not allowed and it's not good, but you know we'll just close our eyes and look the other way. Oh, actually, you can't close your eyes and look the other way. They was basically we're going to look the other way, and you just do it. It's not allowed, but you know it's good for developers, and it's a small group of geeks that likes doing that, and it's crazy. It's good publicity. Let's just allow it. And I think it's basically. The same thing, what they're doing with the Xbox. I mean, they're still well, hard also, on cheaters. Also, I think the, the Xbox hardware isn't particularly remarkable. It's basically a lot of PC hardware strung together, if I yeah, understand Especially the original it, one. Yeah, the original one. But the second one isn't. No, the second, second one isn't. 360 is, is completely different because it's, it's, it's actually a lot more like the PlayStation 3. It doesn't have a cell processor, though, but it has a special uh, PowerPC 3-core processor or whatever, and has a special custom designed a chip from uh, from Ati for the uh, AMD technically for the um, um for, for the graphics and stuff like that but it, it uses yeah more standard parts i think than uh, the PlayStation does i mean i've opened and my that's Xbox. the rub right there right now it's a lot of, see since the PlayStation 1 which was put together with a lot of standard hardware PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 have used a lot more exotic a lot oh, more yeah. custom hardware that's caused a lot costed a lot more money to develop on Sony's behalf, and that's probably why they're suing everyone left and right because they're trying to be the gatekeepers and get some back some of their investment on the hardware development. Sony, that 
costs a huge amount of money to do in the first place. Sony cannot afford to lose because the, the, the PlayStation, the entertainment division is propping the company up at the moment. Where before Sony PlayStation was a small pocket of their, 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 um, uh, their business, when it came to the PlayStation 2 and as that got going steam, the other side of their businesses fell. They were very late into the flat screen, uh, flat screen television game um, and that put them really behind and the PlayStation has then become the biggest selling thing. And in the case of both the PlayStation 2 and the PlayStation Three, it's been the, the the winning of the DVD and the Blu-ray format that has basically guaranteed them ten years of uh, good money out of it, and so they cannot, they absolutely can't afford to lose that 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 fight. They will put any amount of money in it to ensure that they can keep hold of the whole media chain uh, in one go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That and that's fine. That. <laughs> Android, but yeah, the the continual absence of the honeycomb source Thank code. You. Yeah, Google are working on a tablet. I guarantee you that there's no reason why they would keep the code so tight to their chest, and why they would be working on um, honeycomb so fervently if they didn't have some piece of hardware they're testing this thing on. I don't necessarily think it's some piece of hardware. I think it's actually a bit of a a it's a it's. It's a bit more of a nuanced fight, in my opinion. I think half of the reason why they're going out of their way to make sure that Honeycomb hasn't had the source code release is once th when they did that with the uh, the gingerbread and earlier operating systems, it got hacked to death, which was, of course, what they wanted. Now, since early Android, we've had a continual fight between the different forks, which have different UI implementations, in order to patch some of the missing features that were not available on the stock OS. So we have a lot of these little features that weren't available in the stock OS that Google has been slowly adding in successively over feature over feature, over version over version. And now we get to Honeycomb, where they dramatically reset the entire UI, and they have a unique opportunity here. And this is my pet theory on why the source code hasn't been released. Assuming they're not being malicious, let's just assume that for the moment. <laughs> they're using this as the ability, uh, they're using withholding the source code from the public as a means to set consumer expectations of what an Android-powered tablet is. Yes. And that way... That was the idea of the Nexus S, and it didn't totally pan out because they didn't have enough attention. And I'm pretty sure that that's why Honeycomb is like this, is because they don't want a very diluted message coming out, especially when they look at it as like the iPad. Right. They want to make sure that anyone who does try to modify the operating system in some way, it doesn't detract from the honeycomb base experience. They want to reset those consumer expectations and basically market out any of these other variants yes. that might try to create another Android-based tablet distribution. And they don't want that. They, they're trying to fight the good fight in other words and instead of lo locking it down legally they're just saying we're going to make everyone expect it to be this way and if it's not this way well <laughs> does that mean like that they're also um, um i should say like less anyway it's, does it also mean that they um in your pet theory that is that they're also right now like when they're still withholding the code that they're trying to get all the different um, um hardware makers in line like get them all in one row, get all their, you know, get like HPC and Samsung and yeah, get all probably. of them to agree to, look, guys, you can make these Honeycomb tablets, um, but you're going to make them with the default UI and some, you know, a little less modifications than you've actually been doing. And, you know, well, that's, that's the entire of purpose of the Nexus project. And there has been uh, a, a completely unsubstantiated rumor about the Nexus tab or the Nexus slate, which is supposed to be a honeycomb-based Nexus-branded uh, tablet. I haven't. Uh, I think I heard that just once from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Would be awesome, though. 
It would be. I mean, I that mean, would be something that would make me consider pulling out my credit card. Yeah, because that's Although always they really shouldn't. <laughs> that's always a problem with me because I've been, you know, when, I, when I'm looking for a new phone and I'm looking at all the Android phones, all I can get are phones with um, um, heavily modified uh, user interface and stuff like that. And I don't Since like... Yeah, I don't like Sense. I'm probably the only person in the entire world that doesn't like it, but I don't like it. And I don't like uh, the stuff that Samsung is doing because Samsung is incredibly late with um, new releases and stuff like that. Right. So I just wasn't particularly looking forward to that. And when I was looking for a new phone, the uh, Nexus, the latest Nexus, that's the Nexus S, right? The one from Samsung. It's yeah, like the, yeah. Nexus S. That wasn't out yet in the Netherlands, so I couldn't buy it. And, you know, so... That's basically what I want, and if they can do that with the tablet, I'll be a lot more interested in it still, again, on a relative level, um, than in a like an ACC tablet, which has all sorts of Sense stuff built on top. And while Sense maybe looks nice, when you look a little bit closer, it's, I just don't like it. It's just a little bit inconsistent and willy-nilly. Um, yeah, yeah. It, has, it has problems over the stock experience. Yeah. And I, I know that one of my friends had a sense-based device for a long time and after a while she decided well i'm going to root this thing and put the stock os on it and was astonished about how much better it was yeah because i believe it didn't sense when it when htc first started doing that they were actually improving yes. the default android experience but right like, now like wi-fi tethering wasn't available on stock until uh wasn't it froyo i think yeah probably i think so and it was available in Sense a lot earlier. Yeah. So basically, they were actually improving uh, Android back then. But now, it, I more and more get the idea that Sense is, and all these these different shells are basically exactly, holding yeah. and are holding Android back because it means you know Google reaches a hot new version, and then ACC and and Samsung, who are not really software companies. I mean, let's face mm -hmm. it, they're not software companies at their core. They're hardware companies. Then they have to scramble to you know redo all their changes which are probably you know kind of what more hack, hack and slash kind of work than actually you know beautiful code that you know is, is beautifully consistent and easily portable and then they have to adapt it to each and every device and then you have some uh, ACC phones with the update and some don't and ah, it's like a mess and I don't want to get into all that stuff you know yeah so Google could be trying to put a stop to fragmentation in the tablet market before it's even you know launched yeah well I think it's further than that I think they're trying to put a halt to the fragmentation in the smartphone market as well because uh, early experiments have actually shown that at lower resolutions a smartphone UI that looks a lot like gingerbread kicks in on honeycomb versions and the facets API certainly shows that it is possible to have a more flexible operating system that can span both tablet resolutions and smartphone resolutions and I think this is another contributing factor to why this honeycomb source code has yet to be released because as soon as it is some smartphone maker is going to go ooh yay shiny and they're going to go and hack it all to pieces when the UI isn't simply ready for it yet yeah so I, I think that's that's what I agree on that um, um, it's not I don't it's not that Google wants to it's, Google isn't being malicious with with holding the honeycomb source code they're just thinking of the users and while I still would love I mean I still think like in my heart I still believe you know if you're claim to be open source and all that stuff and all that, you know, all this fluffy bunny, whatever, then you have to release your code to the public when you put your product out. That's just kind of like my instant reaction, like, you know, the snap. Like, if you do that, if you claim to be an open source company and you claim that your product is open source, then you release the code once you go final. I mean, you can, you can, de you can develop it all, you know, behind closed well, doors you if you want. you got to be but careful about that, No, though, but that's how... No, that's, if you release it when it's not yet ready... No, that's what the, I mean. That's what and, I mean. And, I mean, and it's a popular project, the problem... Uh, the, you'll get into fragmentation problems. Yeah, I know, I know. And perhaps so, ultimately the, de uh, the death of the project. You've got to yeah, be so, careful when you release it. I know, I know. So that's what I was trying to say. I mean, I, I, my, in my heart, I think, you know, in my heart, I think. That doesn't make any sense. No, in my <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just English like, going crazy in my head. No, but in my heart, I feel that, you know, they should release the code. But my brain is saying, look, it's just not a good idea right now. I think another thing we have oh. to consider is that Android is, a, Android is the only um, 
binary binary system that, that Google are, are producing. You think Google are a, a web apps company. The, the Android has been a bigger success than they could ever expect. And Google don't produce anything else where they expect you to write in a compiled language and, and ship against their APIs because all of their APIs are web APIs otherwise. So this is a confusing, weird, different territory for Google and, and it's True. become bigger than it ever expected because when Android was originally bought and it was designed around Windows Mobile 2003, it looked like that. And then the iPhone came along and they had to quickly bodge it together to make it touch enabled and then tablets came along and they're quickly bodging it together to make it tablets. It's always one step behind. I don't think Google are really experienced enough with shipping uh, an API for people to write compiled programs against. They're a web API people and, and they're probably expecting when they had the original vision of Android that this was going to be just a simple operating system and then everybody would do web apps on top of it and it hasn't been that. You've got the whole Android app, app store and they're also competing against themselves. You've got the Chrome app store. So it's... it's yeah, like, I think... Chrome OS no, but those did. aren't really those aren't really competing with each no, other. Not right internal. now, at least. Yeah. But that it, it's a it's certainly a parallel ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's it's become bigger than Google ever expected it was, or they really want it to be anyway. That there's all these Android native apps, and really what they were supposed to do, or really what they want to do, is everyone to move to web apps, which is why Chrome OS is still continue, and then they haven't given up on Chrome OS because that's going to be the longer term plan. Well, they haven't given up on Chrome OS, and they haven't the the this gets into this argument I, I put forth in my personal blog about Chrome OS and how annoyed I am at so many people who think that, because I thought this myself initially, that it's not going anywhere and it's dead in the water. It's not dead in the water. It's Google is not developing Chrome OS and not releasing it yet on purpose because the world in which Chrome OS would work wonderfully in doesn't yet exist. Mm. They are making it exist one Chrome browser version at a time. We saw that with Chrome 10 when they started showing the Chrome App Store. I mean, it's, and every it, time we have one of those, now we're getting the idea in the developer's mindset and the user's mindset that there are actual applications that you can use yeah, exactly. inside of a browser that you don't have to download and install, that they're just cached locally and yeah. they're there if you need them. Yeah, but the best way to find, to understand why Chrome OS isn't being actively like pushed and released and all that stuff is to take a Chrome OS laptop, or any laptop for that matter, load up um, 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 Google Mail and some other web apps like Facebook and stuff, and then come to my house and in my house everything works and then take three steps outside yeah. that's and then you realize wait there's no there's no wi-fi but okay i mean there's 3g right no where i live there's no 3g at least not you know in a reliable manner so that's ba and hey i'm not saying it's a perfect argument but no no that's, that's what in, i'm trying to say US, it works not... perfectly well here <laughs> it does well, I mean, yeah, I mean, what the if you like, go to like book that, I, that Google had sent me, uh, mind you, I, I, they did send it to me for free with no, 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 you know, <laughs> strings attached because I'm in the U.S. and I have to actually say that. Um, it does oh, yeah, come with a limited 3G uh, data plan bundled in, and I've used it here and there, but it's much more easier to tether it off of my phone. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, I mean... I mean, the connectivity isn't consistent. I mean, you, but I mean, that's a, it's st again, that goes back to the same argument. The world in which that's what I mean. Chrome yeah, that's OS what, is yeah, meant, yeah. To, uh, meant to have doesn't yet exist. Yeah, that's They're what I was, making it exist. That's what I, there, that, it's a very aggressive marketing mm -hmm. tactic. The entire operating system is a marketing tactic to create this world in which Google will be able to sustain their advertising business model. Yeah, but that's what I was trying to illustrate, basically, by saying... Uh, agreeing with you basically like, that world it doesn't exist and the reason the world doesn't exist go outside and try it out it doesn't work that's mm. what I was trying to say like it's not just the software that isn't there yet it's the hardware as well and then with hardware I mean not the, the computer but the big boy hardware the, the networks and all infrastructure that yeah the infrastructure yeah. exactly that's the word well, I was well when they for. started developing Chrome OS they probably didn't expect that Android OS would 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 become as big as it has so quickly that it's then you know posing problem with the whole idea of how do you then ship Chrome OS because you could create Android tablets which have got access all to the Android market on all, all the stuff and games and stuff that's there and then when they try and release a Chrome OS they haven't got that are they going to try and shoehorn Java into Chrome OS so that they can run Android apps are they going to be forced to do that or not it's the, as you say it's a, uh, Chrome OS is what's in their heart it's what they want to do because they're a web company Android OS is this thing that they've been lumped with which has been incredibly successful and it's good and everything but it's 
it's it's distracting them. It's it's pulling them away from what they really want, which is you know everyone to move to the web. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that there has been a lot of speculation that eventually Android and Chrome OS are going to move closer together and my thought personally is that Android's going to move closer to Chrome yes. OS rather yeah, than the other definitely. way around yeah. because local APIs lock you into a lot of uh, vendor issues there are online offline issues there's a lot that we don't yet have thoroughly set down and understood within the HTML5 space, uh, Ray app development. Whereas it's a lot easier when it comes to uh, a native development kit on, not not in capitals, in lowercase native development kit on Android devices and iOS devices. And this also shouldn't be a world that, um, what is that a world that companies other than Google would want to happen because I kind of get the idea that the answer is pretty, a pretty harsh no mm. I, I don't certainly think... not Apple because yeah, exactly. Apple makes a huge amount of money off of their the applications they st- sell on the app store yeah and it gives them an advantage over uh, the competition yeah. we, we have 10 million apps and you know that's supposedly a good thing okay but uh, it's, it's, yeah, and it's close to this. As I say, it's been the thing that's close to, to to Google's heart. But no, it doesn't seem to apply to everybody else. If you think, um, I've completely lost my train of thought now. Um, what was I going to say? Microsoft. Yeah, it, it, think it's a threat to Microsoft in the sense that Windows is becoming increasingly irrelevant in the face of of, of the web. And I think last podcast I was going, I was saying the same thing in that, um, why would a company go spend five million bucks on like you know their Windows license for the whole company, um, to run their web apps when they could just use Chrome for OS for free, um, something like that. Microsoft have got the problem that, that who's going to spend £180 on, a new, on the next copy of Windows when it comes out. Not to well, mention the fact the, the additional overhead that comes with that, because with Chrome OS, if, if you, and someone actually did this test, if you take a, if you have all your data and you have your Chrome OS netbook and you unfortunately roll over it on your way to the board meeting and it snaps in half. Happens all the time. You don't need to worry about it with Chrome OS because you're not supposed to store anything on the local drive. It's supposed to be up in the internet somewhere. Does now, with a Windows system, there's a huge amount of IT overhead that comes from uh, comes with it with an enterprise perspective. You have software management, you have permission management, you have the ability, uh, you have to decide who gets to install what. You have Good to worry person. about spam, you have to worry about rootkits, you have to worry about all this other stuff. Whereas Chrome OS is designed from the very beginning to assume a hostile internet environment and that all your data is somewhere else. Yeah, and if could... you don't have and if you lose your laptop or it gets broken or it's damaged for some odd reason, well you can just take another one off the shelf, log in, and you're done. All of that weeks of waiting for a new system to be mm. set up by IT and then mailed to you and then you have to send them your password and you have to send the system back because they got the partition map wrong and the operating system partition's too small <laughs> and all this other bull yep. you don't have to do I because smell some it frustration, just though. works <laughs> someone has been here living through that no, but, you know, but, but you know if, if, I mean if you look at what you, all, all the things you just said I mean if there is one company other than Google that could work towards the same goal, the same direction, as far as I'm concerned, it is Microsoft. They already have a lot it of is, the equivalent services. they are working services. towards some yeah, of it. I the think. thing is that the majority of their income still comes from, uh, it office. Comes from office. Hmm. Yeah, but still, I mean, they, they could still, they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of the chess pieces in play, uh, in position as well. Just Not as, as well as some other. No, companies. no, no. True, true. They're but... they're they're doing a lot of dancing right now to try to make some wins with Microsoft, Windows, Azure, and a lot of their web platforms, and they're working on it, and they're getting better. But yeah. they're not there yet. They still have a huge amount of legacy overhead mindset that they're still dealing with. Yeah, yeah but that... what I'm trying to what, 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 basically, as far as I can see it, uh, in this space, you have three truly major players. You got Google, you got Microsoft, and you got Apple. But if you have to rank them um, uh, according to all the things you just said, I mean, Google is one, Microsoft is two, then a whole lot of nothing, and then you get and then Apple. Apple way at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, they've got so much work ahead of them, and they've basically 
iOS as well is completely invested in having everything native and having yeah. everything in your pocket and on your Mac. Right? Or uh, you're still thinking like a desktop user. Remember that a lot that the big money in a lot of these companies, except for Apple, is actually the enterprise. Yeah, that's, and it actually yeah. works very differently there. There you're talking about site licenses for Windows and Office, which take a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the primary competitors, Apple doesn't even come up in that discussion. They are no one in the enterprise world. No one at all. And in fact, they're less than no one now because they killed their entire X server line. <laughs> so they don't even exist as far as people yeah. are concerned. Yeah, I'm kind of now wondering. Now you're talking about Oracle versus IBM versus Microsoft and fighting over different web, uh, web-based office applications and different remote storage applications and different remote compute applications it's a very different world there and it's yeah. still coming about and yeah. it's still i'm still not sure if that is a future that we're going to be ready for at least in the coming five years i mean if you look at all the work that still needs to be done when it comes just the most basic thing infrastructure exactly yeah. that is i mean i think software wise we could have been there already but it's the networks that's the problem and you've got yes because networks are different in every country there you've got every country has at least five six seven carriers even we do and we're like smaller than i mean we're like we're like one tenth of ohio i mean what the hell are we talking about so it's really small um and, and we already have like five or six carriers i mean i don't even know how many carriers the united states must have probably like a hundred or something if I were to make a take a wild guess, so well, there's uh, the big four, and then there's several other regional carriers. Yeah, I mean it's got to add up, right? I mean, I mean, and they all have to align. They all have to work together to create some sort of coherent infrastructure. That if you have your laptop, it's going to work wherever the hell you go, wherever the heck. And of course, this gets into an even nastier problem, where all of the network providers don't want to act as dumb pipes because they exactly. have no ability to create a revenue generating advantage over everyone else. They want to enrich their services. <laughs> yeah, with channels and things like, I don't know what. I've never heard of a cable company. Well, actually I think the thing cable. is that personally, when it comes to telecommunications companies and revenue generating channels, it, it's come to the point that they don't want they're they're trying to become something they're not and they're going at it in every way possible including the most unseemly legal means possible <laughs> yeah. to make sure that they make money when most people just don't want them to and just want them to be a dumb pipe <laughs> yeah but I, I mean they're going to have to accept that at some point i mean they're just going they're going to become like the companies that manage the railroad lines and the company that I'm just waiting for someone to actually create a telecommunications company called Dumb Pipe LLC <laughs> yeah. and their tagline is we're a dumb pipe and that is their entire advertising campaign <laughs> I mean I'd sign up immediately just because of the name but you know if they could promise that if if like a, if if an ISP would come along come along the Netherlands and say, look, we don't care what you do. We don't care how you do it. We're just going to give you a really fast connection and just, you know, we're going to wash our hands clean of you. Here, sign something. We're not responsible. Just do whatever the hell you want. I'm going to sign up, like, right away. I mean, immediately. Well, I, I, I love this idea. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen no, in the U.S. Because, there's so many, because big content is breathing down ISP necks. And ISPs don't want to have to be the policemen. And so we have this continual legal cultural fight over what the consumers want. We want everything on the internet with no restrictions. With the network providers, we want to be able to effectively manage our bandwidth and somehow make some extra money on the side. With content providers, you, thou shalt not steal or you shall go to a very, very hot place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you were to believe like the the big content providers, there's probably like a special hell. There's no, hell doesn't just have a corner for pirates. No, there's a special sub hell for pirates. It's awesome. I really want to see. I'm going to see the place. I missed that one. Then. I, mean, if, if, I mean, if America turns out to be right with all the you know with all the religion and God thing, then you know I'm going to go. I'm going to go to that hell like right away. It's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, you and me both, sir. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> I believe. Well, it's. We've, Talking about now over an hour now. Um, uh, uh, everything covered? No, I think so. I'm not sure though. Let me see. Sounds like it. Uh huh. Yeah, I think so. Okay. 
I think that brings the end to um, brings the end of podcast number forty one. Oh. Thank you very much for being here to join us. Thank you, Tess, for hunting us down. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, feedback you can uh, comment in the uh, the thread when it's this is published on the internet um, you can email us uh, crew at osnews.com with your feedback as well um, uh, I think that's about all to say really uh, think so yes we'll see you next time bye bye everyone bye bye